What's up, boys and girls? Welcome to another episode of Walk On Wisdom. I'm your host, Michael Chandler, who by no means am an expert at anything, but have learned a couple things along the way on this crazy journey that I've been on for the last almost 37 years on this planet. And we've had a ton of questions come in to podcast at michaelchandler.com. And I sit here and try to answer all of your questions. Some of them very easy to answer, some of them extremely deep, some of them from a certain person, from a certain place here on this beautiful planet, and some are anonymous. So if you want your question answered, send it to podcast at michaelchandler.com. Thank you guys so much for the support um, and how much this thing is blowing up. The um, wisdom that I am gleaning from y'all's struggles and y'all's life experiences um, is an absolute blessing. So thank you for being on this journey with me, and thank you for trusting me with these answers to your questions. With that, let's get right into it. The first one is anonymous, but from New Jersey. Hey, Mike, seriously started being a fan of you back when you did your interview with Joe Rogan. I relate to a lot of what you say, considering I am currently a division one wrestler. I've been surrounded by negativity here and it's a losing mindset. I'm at a lower division one school and I feel my coaches and teammates are pushing me away from the sport I once loved. I'm still going to try to remain positive because I feel... I still have not reached my potential. I'm a junior and have dealt with a fair amount of injuries and have only had about 20 matches in college. How can I get out of this mental block and become greater than my environment that's flooded with negativity? Well, first of all, that's a tough, tough position to be in. When you talk about being a division one wrestler, you talk about being an athlete of any level of any caliber on any team, the strength of the individual is a lot of times based on the strength and mindset and mentality of the team that is around them. Even in an individual sport like, like wrestling, even though it's just you going out on the mat, putting on the ankle bands, putting on the headgear and going out there and competing. And it's just you you get your hand raised or you don't. There was still a lot of time, energy, effort, hours put in, blood, sweat, and tears with the team. You're only as good as your training partners will push you to and your coaches will coach you to. So being in a in a negative environment or a losing environment, as you say, is very tough. Um, a lot of times too, I would just commission you right now to instead of Sending in a question like this and talking about the negativity in your practice room, talking about the losing mindset, feeling like your coaches and your teammates are pushing you away. Take a moment to really look introspectively and ask yourself, how can you make this scenario a little bit more positive? How can you take control of it? How can you take ownership of it? In life, there will always be opposition. There will always be obstacles. Sometimes they're people, sometimes they're places, sometimes they're things, sometimes they are emotions. Sometimes the biggest enemy is the inner me. And I'm not saying that this is your fault, but what I am saying is just as the, the works and the teachings of James Allen's As a Man Thinketh, so many times in life, we always want to look outwardly at the outs, outside circumstances of our life, the people, the places, the things, the emotions, the events that have happened, the obstacles and the opposition, instead of looking introspectively, instead of standing guard at the gate of your own mind every single day, manifesting what it is that you can get better at, how you can be a better leader, how you can be more desirable or more, more 
how can you be a more desirable individual inside of the confines of this team, whether it be a quote unquote losing team, whether it be a quote unquote negative team, there's still the opportunity for you to grow as a human being, to become the most positive person on a negative team. Maybe you are the catalyst that will change the the trajectory and the future of this entire team and not just the entire team's future, but your teammates that you currently have, even the coaches that you currently have. But the question is, how can I get out of this mental block and become greater than the environment that's flooded with negativity? Number one, just continue to keep your nose to the grindstone, keep your head down and be the hardest worker in the room. You can control that. Show up on time, show up with a good attitude. You can control that. Show up and be a positive encourager, be a a dream instiller, be a positive instiller into your team, even if it's constantly met with negativity, even if it's constantly met with getting stuck in the rut of negativity, of losing, of failure, of we don't know if this train is going to be able to be turned around. Um, There was times in my college wrestling career, or even now times in my mixed martial arts career, as I said, that these are both individual sports, but being around the people that can help me get to the next level was absolutely paramount. The next advice I would give you is they can't all be bad. They can't all be negative. They can't all be having quote unquote, a losing mindset. Like you said, they can't all have that. I can tell you right now in my college wrestling career, I wasn't great friends with a lot of the guys that I wrestled with. Maybe that was my own mentality. Maybe I had too high of a standard. Maybe I was the lowest guy on the totem pole who was overlooked. So therefore I had a chip on my shoulder. I admit all of those things, but I only had a few really close friends that I spent most of my time with. The guys that had the same goals as me, the guys that had the same visions visions as me, the guys who had the same work ethic as me, the guys who had the same priorities as me. In the college wrestling environment, everyone is left their home, left their families, they are on their own, free to make whatever decisions that they want to, whether that be the party life or the sport life, whether that be chasing your dreams or chasing the high, chasing the fun, chasing the girls. And in my past or in my opinion, there was only a few guys who had the same goals as I did. So I naturally gravitated towards those people. But I would also challenge you, as I said, to flip it on its head instead of looking for people to gravitate toward, which is extremely important, be yourself someone who is deserved of gra- of being, being the type of man or the type of athlete that other people gra- gravitate towards. Start to serve more, start to look more positively at these scenarios, and you will most assuredly start to see things from a, from a different standpoint through a different lens. And this isn't just the college wrestling environment. This isn't just mixed martial arts. This just isn't just athletics. This anonymous note could have come in from anywhere around the world about any kind of vocation, any kind of organization, any kind of career that any of y'all could have. If it's constantly negative, if it's constantly a losing mindset, if it's constantly toxic, as people say, or constant, constantly draining, Number one, look introspectively because you'll never, ever regret taking more of the blame and shouldering more of the, shouldering more of the ownness because it will in turn add layers to your human being. So 
best of luck to you um, in this off season, because now I know it's wrestling off season. We just got done with nationals and uh, really look introspectively, maybe take a break if you need to and uh, come back next season with a vengeance and be the most positive leader on the entire team. Next question comes from Joe. Hello, Chandler. Thank you for being an example for everyone to look up to, not just in the sport of MMA, but in all areas of life. I can't help but notice the wonderful group of people that you have put yourself around, which, which help you set a high standard in your life, such as Ed Milet and Cameron Haynes, to name a few. I am currently 21 and finishing up college, and I wanted to ask what tasks I can do daily to put myself around excellent people like you have. See you at the top, Joe. Well, Joe, um, the first thing that I would say is you don't get in the room with high functioning individuals, high functioning, goal oriented, high producing individuals, unless you are yourself one of those type of people. See, I think we need to constantly be working on ourselves so much that getting in the room with the Ed Milets and the Cameron Haynes or the other in people of influence that I've been able to get around. We create a reputation for ourselves. We create a life for ourselves. We create, as I said in the previous question, a, a lifestyle and a shiny object that people want to gravitate towards. So we focus so much on ourselves and build ourselves up, build a life for us and a platform for us and a reputation for us that being in the room with other people, like you just mentioned, is just a positive byproduct of it. And I by no means sit here and say that I can even hold a candle to Ed Milet's business acumen or the motivator that he is, the author that he is, the speaker that he is. I by no means say I even hold a candle to Cameron Haynes and his marathon that he runs a day, how well he shoots a bow, the following that he has, the platform that he has. I by no means say that I can even hold a candle to a lot of the people in my life. But I think if you ask them why they are drawn to me or gravitate towards me is I think it always boils down to the hard work. It always boils down to operating within your truth, within your gifts and, and pursuing something that is so much bigger than yourself that people can see it and they are inspired by it. I've had, I've had some very, very amazing messages from some very, very high level, high functioning, high performing individuals on this planet both whether it be on the phone, text message through Instagram, uh, through meetups at different events that I've been to. And the way that they see me, if I was just able to see myself a little bit more like that, heck, I'd be on top of the world. But that's why we want to surround ourselves with those type of people, the type of person that we say, I want to be like that guy. I want to be able to do what he does. I want to be able to do what she does. I want to be able to speak like they do. To be able to do those things and continue to build yourself into that human being, as I said, people gravitating towards you will be a positive byproduct. So what tasks can you do daily to put yourself around excellent people like I have, Joe? Turn yourself into the greatest Joe that you possibly can. Turn yourself into the human that God has destined you to be. You were built and born with commissioned with and given so many talents and blessings and abilities. Cultivate those things. Be in your journal every single day, writing down what you want to be, do, and have. Visualize those things. Meditate over those things. Pray over, the, pray over those things. Pray for wisdom. Pray for the right doors to be opened, the right doors to be closed, the right doors to, to remain locked until due season when it is time to reap, reap the reward 
of the seeds that you have that you have planted. Turn yourself into a happier, healthier, harder to kill individual and more and more positive people on higher and higher rungs in your community, both in your actual city that you live in, state that you live in, or around the world, social media, events, traveling, those people will start gravitating towards you. Because honestly, as I said, a Ed Milet or a Cameron Haynes or insert name A, B, and C, X, Y, and Z, these people are out there pursuing the best versions of themselves and they don't have time or energy or don't have or want to put in the effort to spend time around anybody who is not adding to their human being. Anybody who is not adding to their human existence, anybody who is not adding to them, whether it be in a business sense, a spiritual sense, a, a physical sense, an emotional sense. So you have to bring value, you have to add value to people's lives and you can have everything you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want in life. And sometimes that means offering up your services for free. Sometimes that means offering up your time, energy, effort, resources for free in order to create a reputation of service in order to get in the rooms with the people that you want to. But great question, Joe. Just the fact that you even asked that question is indicative of a man who is most likely going to keep on climbing the rungs of society and you will get in the rooms with the people that you so desire. Next question comes from Lorenzo. Hi, Michael. My name is Lorenzo. Greetings from Canada. I would just like to start by saying that you are my favorite fighter, but not only because of your performances in the octagon, but also because of the wisdom you spread outside of it. My question for you is how do you keep a balance in your emotions and not fall victim to their influence as a fighter, but especially as a human being, since we are constantly being flooded by many emotions that can keep us from focusing on ourselves? Well, Lorenzo, it's a great question because if we were, if we are able to master our emotions a little bit more, if we were able to have a little bit more of a stranglehold on our negative emotions, our self-deprecating emotions, the emotions that keep pulling us back down into the valleys instead of project, pro, pro, um, projecting us towards the peaks in our lives, um, pushing us towards the peaks in our lives. If we can just have a little bit more control over our emotions, then so many areas of our life are going to bear more and more fruit. We're going to People are going to want to be around us more. We're going to find more, find more success in our business relationships, our intimate relationships, our friend relationships, our relationship with ourself, which is probably the most important relationship that you possibly can have. How do we not fall victim to their influence? Well, number one, Lorenzo, even by admitting that you or we or all of us as human beings as, as, an, as an overarching concept, we do fall victim to our emotions. Just by admitting that is step number one. So that's a very, very good sign. Number two, I believe that writing the places where I have failed in my journal every single day, writing the areas of my life where I could be a lot better, writing the areas of my human existence, physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, business, as a father, as a husband, and all these different areas. Where can I look introspectively and where can I write down the things that I want to get better at? Just like in mixed martial arts, okay, I know I want to, I want to get better at defense. Okay. I know I want to get better footwork. I know I want to stay strong, stay fast, stay explosive. I can 
I can quantify and look at all of these different aspects of a mixed martial arts game because it's a, a physical, tangible set of skills and skill set that I can continue to create more and more increase in. So why can't I do the same thing with my emotions? Okay, well, when I, I notice whenever I go into this type of scenario with this type of person, this type of relationship, I feel a little bit more intimidated than if I go into this scenario or someone did this to me. I was wronged. I was taken advantage of. I was hoodwinked. I was, I was, uh, duped if you will. And I responded or reacted in this type of way. I want to get better at that. So taking stock in writing down all the different areas, Lorenzo, in your life that you wished you were better at, and you will most assuredly be able to visualize and see how you're going to respond next time, how you're going to recalibrate next time. So keeping a balance though with your emotions is something that takes more practice than I think we would like to admit. Admitting that you need to find more balance or admitting that you need to flex those faith muscles that you will get better at these different areas of your life and just continuing to ask for wisdom. I need more wisdom in this area of my life. I am happy. I'm healthy. I'm hard to kill. A lot of times too, you guys hear me talk about gratitude all the time. A lot of times emotions go overboard, emotions well up and emotions spill over when we're not operating in gratitude. Instead of focusing on what we do have, the blessings that we do get to enjoy, the wonderful life that we do have, the health that we do have, the areas of our life or the our life as a whole being an awesome, awesome blessing, we can find ourselves focusing on the negative, focusing on the lack, focusing on the scarcity, focusing on the fear, instead of operating with the confident expectancy that everything is going to work out for me eventually. Might go through tough seasons, but bringing it all back to gratitude. People ask me every day, how do you stay? Or people ask me every day, it seems like you're motivated. Every day, it seems like you are giving it your all. And my answer is usually simple that it all goes back to gratitude. I am grateful that I wake up every single morning. I thank the Lord for another day. I kiss my wife, I kiss my sons. Think about the amazing blessings that I have in my life because it all starts there at the foundation. That is my foundation and that is my why. And as long as all of that is copacetic, as long as all that is taken care of, then my life probably isn't as bad as I might make it out to seem sometimes. So Lorenzo, write it down, visualize it, see it, and always bring it back to gratitude. Next question comes from Noah. Hello, Michael. My name is Noah Stevens, and I'm a 20-year-old at the University of Michigan, hoping to become a physician eventually. My buddy Cade and I really appreciate and value your mentality and upbringing as an individual, a fighter, and a father. I've got a couple questions I'm curious to know your thoughts about. How do you avoid fixating and hyper-focusing on your failures? How do you find a balance between not being so self-critical while also holding yourself to a high standard? Finally, how do you avoid comparing yourself to others? I really appreciate what you're doing and the passion for spreading wisdom to the community. You have been one of my biggest role models in this chapter of my life. See you at the top, Noah. Well, Noah Stevens from the University of Michigan, um, who will eventually be a physician. Um, the answer to your question, how do you avoid fixating and hyper-focusing on your failures? How do you find balance between not being too self-critical while also holding yourself to a high standard and comparing yourself to others? So the best thing about this question 
is it's something that we all do. If we have, if we're trying to attain anything in life, if we hold ourselves even a little bit higher than lowly, <laughs> even a little bit higher than mediocre, if we do believe that great things are going to happen in our lives, we are always going to be so much more self-critical than those who just take their failures and fall flat on their face and don't really care because, oh, woe is me and life was created to conspire against me and I'll never be able to get out of this pit. Noah, you sound like a motivated individual, an individual who is who wants better for himself and better for those individuals around him. So the best thing about me answering this question is that you have said some really nice things about me and you get to hear me speak on this microphone and tell you right now that I so many times in my life have felt like a failure and I have hyper-focused on those failures. But until I realized, the great Zig Ziglar, Zig Ziglar said it, failure is an event, not a person. So when you do fail, that was an event. It was not a person. You are not a failure just because you had a failure. And the more often that we can realize that the people that we look up to, the people that we aspire to be like, the people that we aspire to be with, the people that we want to be like someday, when we can look up to those people, the more we realize that every single one of those people who have gone through tough times in their lives and they have at one point or another been deemed a failure, failure of an event, failure of a account, failure in a relationship, failure in business, failure in their spiritual life, failure in their character, their integrity. We're all just human beings trying to figure this thing out. And life will be a series of ups and downs that you need to continue to not lose steam through. So you avoid fixating and hyper-focusing on your failures by realizing that everybody that you have ever looked up to or admired has been a failure. And, and the reason that you follow them, like them, look up to them was not because that they always won, not because they were always successful. You follow them and you admire them because of their story that they've had, a story of ups and downs. You, you follow them and admire them because of the man or woman that they are today in spite of all of the failures, all of the setbacks, all of the valleys that they have been through in their life because it ultimately made them a better human being. Focus on success, not perfection. You're never going to be perfect. Striving for perfection is only going to leave, lead to pain and pushing you down into the depths of the self-deprecating thoughts and the self-deprecating actions and the analysis paralysis of lack of clarity. So how do you find balance between not being too self-critical while also holding, holding yourself to a high standard? I think finding, finding that balance is going to be a little bit easier as you get older, as you have a lot more life experiences and realize a lot of the things that you thought were extremely important ended up not being that important at all. Is there a siren going off? Yeah. Okay. So Noah, how do you find balance between not being too self-critical while also holding yourself to a high standard? The good thing is the older you get, the more experiences that you have, the more you're able to look back on your life and realize that all of these different events or all these different people, all these different things that happened to you at one point, you thought that it was the end all be all. You thought it was so important and you realized, dang, man, I didn't, didn't mean a thing in my life. I was able to get through this thing and it wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it was. So eventually 
you'll also continue to create more and more confidence in yourself because you'll, the amount of losses that you take, the amount of setbacks that you have, yeah, in the time, at the time, at that moment, they're tough to deal with, they're tough to swallow. It's a hard pill to swallow. It's a, it's a painstaking growth season that you need. But then now, once you get on the other side of it, you have more confidence as a more seasoned, more well-equipped human being. And a lot of times we are so self-critical because we're focusing so much on being perfect instead of just being successful. I have failed thousands and thousands of times in my life, 37 years in my life, athletics, relationships, just not being the man that I wanted to be in these certain scenarios, how I wanted to respond. I've failed so many times that I'm able to go back and look back and self-assess. But instead of saying, okay, well, that's me. That's how I'm going to be the rest of my life. I've been able to recalibrate and grow through those scenarios. And the last question is, how, finally, how do you avoid comparing yourself to others? And that, especially in today's society, where we live on social media, we listen to these podcasts, we listen to people speaking, we're having a bad day or having, let's just say we're having a decent day, but we can get on social media and see somebody having a better day than us. It immediately reinforces in us that, A, we need to, we need to have a really, really great day and we put pressure on having a great day. We see a good man on social media and say, well, shoot, I need to get better today. I need to be a better man, better man. I need to create more for my life. I need to do better things. I need to do cooler things. Look at that person. Look how much money they're making. Look how, look at the platform that they have. Look at the success that they're having or the perceived success that they're, that they're having. In the social, social media age, it is so easy to compare ourselves to so many different people, but comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the biggest thief of joy. It's almost impossible to have long-term sustained happiness and peace and joy if we continue to com compare ourselves to other people. No matter how successful, and one thing too, a mentality that you need to start to wrap your head around it, no matter how many things you accomplish, the milestones that you make, the confidence that you accrue by the platforms that you end up creating for your life, the successes that you end up having in your life, there's never going to be a time that you ever get so high on the mountaintop that there's not going to be some sort of shiny object or shiny or a person holding a shiny object or someone out there to compare your successes to that you're not going to, that it's not going to add a little bit of a wrinkle into your self-belief in yourself your self-concept, because there's always going to be somebody out there that you can, at one point or another, look at and say, man, I wish I was doing what he was doing. Wish I was doing what she was doing. I wish I could be like him. I wish I could be a little bit more like that, create that for my life. Comparison is the thief of joy. Take yourself at your, at your most joyful, your most peaceful, and your most content, the happiest that you will ever be in your entire life. Visualize that person. And then if we fall back into the trap of getting on social media, getting on the internet, reading the tabloids, watching TV, and seeing all these people creating and looking at the life that they have, everyone's struggles are different. Different seasons for different times and different people. So Noah, 
I would encourage you to meditate on that and think about that every day. That comparison is the thief of joy. Thank you for all your great questions and I'll see you at the top. Next one comes from Cam, Brisbane, Australia. We all want to know, Michael, can we expect a tough season with good pranks and trash talk like the old days? See you at the top. All right. A little bit of a switch up here. Now we went from some kind of some mindset stuff straight to some tough talk. Tough 31 was a blast. Tough 31 out in Vegas opposite Conor McGregor, Team Chandler versus Team McGregor. Um, It was an experience that I will never forget as long as I live. My guys, I will never forget them as long as I live. Um... I was overworked on days. I was overstressed on days, overstretched on days. And that's how I knew that it was exactly where I was supposed to be because it challenged me in ways that I never thought was possible. But can you see a bunch of good pranks and trash talk? Um, I guess you'll have to wait and see. But let's just say uh, Connor and my relationship and uh, my relationship with my fighters, my fighters' relationships with me, my fighters' relationships to the other fighters in the house. Um, there was a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Let's, let's put it that way. A lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun TV on the edge of your seat all summer on ESPN Tuesday nights um, starting May 30th. Um, every Tuesday night on ESPN, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think you guys are going to enjoy it a lot. Definitely some trash talk, definitely some pranks. Always coaches, always a coach's challenge. Like there always is, um, some great fights. Um, team Chandler did well. So proud of the boys. Um, team McGregor did well, you know, aside from McGregor and his, his coaching staff, obviously I didn't really spend a lot of time getting to know them much. It was more business. Um, but I did get to know, you know, a few of the, the other fighters on the team, even on Connor's team, you know, because you got to remember too, I'm, I'm just, uh, I might not be their coach for the season. Um, but I am a, a guy who's been in the sport for a very long time that they can glean information from. So it was really cool to, uh, to have all 16 guys there. Um, obviously I like my team more cause I spent a lot of time with them and I love those dudes, but, um, Connor and I had some fun. We'll put it that way. So can't wait for y'all to see, but thanks for the question, Kim. Next one comes from Benjamin. Hey, Michael, I admire you for being one of the most hardworking, kind-hearted, and vulnerable athletes, not just in the MMA, but all sports. We need more people like you. I had a question about how to deal with unappreciation. The episode that you discussed briefly on feelings of unworthiness was insightful. However, my question has to do more about dealing with other people like your romantic partner, friends, family, and at the workplace where you feel unseen and unheard despite giving your 100% day in and day out. I'm often bitter and resentful because I often feel unappreciated. Thank you for taking the time to read this question. God bless and see you at the top. Benjamin. Well, Benjamin, um, Thank you for the kind words. Um, uh, a lot of people call me hardworking. A lot of people call me kind-hearted. I appreciate that, but I like I like that you call me vulnerable. I do think that we all are all just human beings on this planet trying to figure this thing out, and without showing vulnerability um, and not dubbing vulnerability as a weakness, um, then and only then can we really peel back the layers of ourselves and add value to not just ourselves but everyone out there. So thank you for that. Um, so dealing with unworthiness, whether it be from your romantic partner, friends, family, workplace, 
feeling unseen and unheard despite giving 100% every day, day in and day out. Um, my initial thought here, my initial reaction, Benjamin, is we've really got to be careful and tread lightly if we feel as though we are unappreciated. We got to feel, we, we got to make sure that we don't dive into looking outwardly and blaming everyone else for the unappreciation. Is it 100% unappreciation or is it our perception of feeling unappreciated? Is it our own feelings of unworthiness? Is it our own feelings of looking at the man in the mirror and not feeling like we love him? There's been times in my life where I feel unappreciated, feel unworthy, feel overlooked, feel unseen. And those times in my life, I've been able to look back and say, well, I needed a little bit more self-esteem there. I needed a little bit more of a self-image boost. So it always goes back to, as we always say here on the pod, gratitude and getting in your journal every single day, writing down what you want to be, do, and have, and how you want them to respond, react, and see you every single day. When you show up, if you truly are showing up every day, giving it your all, 100%, day in and day out, best foot forward, positive attitude, positive aura about you, it's really hard for people to overlook that because we are created for relationships, we are created for connection, social connection, community connection. So I would bring it back to gratitude and serving people more if you possibly can, Benjamin. Serving people more, being more of service, definitely don't, don't take the approach of the victim in this scenario. Put your, your best foot forward, wake up tomorrow, putting your best foot forward saying, I am even though I know I'm giving 100%, I'm going to give 110%. Try it for one week. Try it for one week, consciously thinking every single thing that you do, how is this going to be perceived by, as you said, romantic partner, friends, family, workplace. I mean, that's a lot of people. I can't really think of any other facets of your life where you don't feel unworthy. Romantic partner obviously spills over into your family. You talked about your friends and your family and then the workplace. We work and then we go home. So pretty much every area of your life, you're talking about feeling there's a little bit of unworthiness happening or unappreciated. Or you feeling unappreciated. So we've really got to be careful that this isn't self-imposed. We've really got to be careful that this isn't you falling into this and it's your own mentality because we're basically talking about every area of your life. And I'm sorry if this is not turning into the positive message that you want, but my answer to this question sounds like every area of your life, you feel unappreciated. And the easiest way to feel unappreciated in every area of your life is that you don't appreciate you. The chains of your past may be, may be, causing lack of clarity for who you are, what you deserve, where you're at in your life, what you truly are creating for your life. Do you show up every day giving it 100% like you claim to be doing in this question that you sent in? Are you serving others? Do you add value to your workplace? Are you a 
positive pillar in your workplace? Are you easy to deal with? Are you easy to be around? Are, do people desire to be around you? Do they gravitate towards you? And that's just with everybody. Everybody, not just Benjamin on this who sent in this question, but everybody in every area of your life. Are you bringing more value or adding more value to all of these different areas of your life more than you are taking from them? Become the person, the man or the woman that you want to be or that you want to be around and appreciate yourself, love yourself more, do the work on yourself more, creating for yourself a self-image that is much more bulletproof than it is today you will start to find a little bit of a different perception for the appreciation or lack thereof of the people around you. So thank you so much. And, and, and this is, this is the pot calling the kettle black. This isn't me. This isn't me saying that Benjamin is doing anything wrong or in the wrong here. I'm talking to myself as well. There's been times in my life where I could, I could point the finger at 25 different people I could point the finger at my career. I could point the finger at so many different seasons of my current life, my past, the things that have happened to me, the things that people that have done me wrong, my upbringing. I found myself pointing the finger when I really should be pointing the finger at the man in the mirror. So let this be a, a moment uh, for you, Benjamin, and also everybody who's listening, take area, take stock in the areas of your life where you feel most unappreciated and ask yourself, is it truly all of them or is it my perception of the unappreciation? But thank you, Benjamin. Those, these are the kind of questions that we can kind of dive into. And sometimes we need to have a little bit of, uh, as I said, there's nobody in this world who's harder on me than me. And I know that I've needed to hear that this type of message from mentors in my life, this type of message from coaches in my life, this type, this type of message from my wife in my life. My wife is my best friend and she knows me better than I know myself. And the people that we hold dearest to us need to have these hard, hard pressing kind of reality checks, if you will. So I wish you the best, Benjamin. I believe that you are going to gain more appreciation on the in your outside world in your life because you're going to become more and more appreciative of yourself and more and more loving of yourself. Next one and last one comes from Cade. Hello, Michael. My name is Cade Ramsey. I'm 21 years old studying mechanical engineering at Boise State University. You were truly an inspiration to both me and my good friend, Noah Stevens. Noah and I have have similar conversations on topics mentioned in your podcast and are huge fans of what you are doing. Here are a few questions that we have come up with and would love to get your take on these topics. Thank you for all you are doing. I truly enjoy following your journey. See you at the top. All right. Questions are, how do you celebrate your wins in a humble way and continue to not let ego take over your mindset and work ethic ability as you move forward? How do you analyze your losses, understand your mistakes, and learn from your failures, not beating yourself up too much in the process? How do you deal with the feeling of coming up short when it seems as though everyone is doing better than you? What's the mindset need to be to continue pursuing your goals? Thank you for your time. Let's get it. Sincerely, Cade. Great questions, Cade. Similar to uh, Noah, who we answered earlier, um, in that same vein, 
creating a life of success for yourself without getting over your skis, uh, without getting a big head, without getting a big ego. So the first question is, how do you celebrate your wins in a humble way and continue to not let your ego take over your mindset and work ethic and your work ethic ability as you move forward? Well, for me, that's always been easy. The walk-on mentality that I started with, I started in wrestling in high school, never thought I was going to be a state champ, ended up not, not becoming a state champ, um, but ended up making it to the finals and self-sabotaged myself. Walked on to the University of Missouri. I was the lowest guy on the totem pole. So that mentality of being the lowest guy on the totem pole, walking into a room, even today, you know, I've gotten questions about kind of similar to the effect of, hey, what's it feel like to walk into a a room and know you can beat everybody up? Or what's this, what's it feel like walking into a room and being the biggest celebrity in the room, having the most Instagram followers and being the biggest athlete? But, you know, I've never once walked into a room and thought I could beat everyone up. I've never once walked into a room and thought, man, this is, uh, look at all these people here. I'm the biggest celebrity here, man. More people know my name than know anybody here combined. I've never once thought that. And I... Not going to sit here and say that I deserve to be patted on the back for that. I don't think I created that kind of mindset or that kind of existence here on the planet. I think it was instilled in me by my blue collar work ethic mom and dad who worked 40 hours a week, 60 hours a week, worked two and three jobs to make sure me and my two brothers are taken care of. And there's a lot of stories just like that all around this great country of ours. And at some point, we we forget the life and the sacrifices that my mom and dad made or our moms and dads made or the people around us made, our mentors made, our coaches are made, our our families have made to get us to where we are. And to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice those gifts that, that you've been given. And it's a direct slap in the face to all of those people who believed in you, took care of you and got you to where you are. So I've always held that kind of gratitude. I've always held that kind of mentality. So I could celebrate my wins and pat myself on the back here and there, stop and smell the roses for a second, not get too high on myself, because I also know that success is rented. It's never owned. You never own success. It's rented and the rent is due every single day. What are you going to do today to make sure that you're continuing to scrape and claw and, and create less separation between you and your next goal? So how do you celebrate your wins in a humble way and continue to not let ego take over your mindset and work ethic ethic ability as you move forward? Well, number one, you should never, ever let any of your successes chip away at your work ethic ability. If anything, it should make you want to work harder. If anything, you should taste a little bit of success and it should make you want to work a little bit harder. And that's how we are designed. And I can give you, I can give you an example right now. My son Hap did not like the sport of baseball. We put him into baseball. He didn't really like it last last uh, last season. Didn't really like it as we started practicing this season because he hadn't gotten any kind of positive feedback, positive reinforcement yet. He was missing the balls. They were pitching it. He was missing the balls. He was probably maybe the worst batter on the team um, when we first started. Probably average when it came to throwing the ball or catching the ball. Now we had a game yesterday. He got two hits. He caught two balls. He kind of knew what to do a little bit. He's starting to learn a little bit more. He's starting to get a little bit of positive reinforcement, positive feedback, and his attitude and his mentality completely shifted. That's the way God designed us. He designed us to create a goal for ourselves, 
have a target to shoot for. When we shoot, when we shoot for that target, excuse me, my wife is calling me. Perfect timing. Um, we shoot for that target. We hit that target. Oh my gosh. Hold on. There's an active shooter at like a Presbyterian church, like right down, like half a mile from our office. All right. So I'm just letting you know. Well, um, so the podcast just got cut short and interrupted. As you guys saw, my wife called me and uh, we had just got done joking the day before about how uh, I usually put my phone on silent. Um, but she's on my favorites list, obviously, in case there was ever an emergency, her phone call, her phone call comes through, her text comes through because obviously a, she's my favorite person on earth, but also B in case there's an emergency. And it was absolutely an emergency. Like you guys saw, um, the covenant shooting was happening right as we started that podcast. We started that podcast somewhere around 10 a.m., which was when um, that was all going down and it all happened right here in my community, Green Hills, Nashville, Tennessee. Um, it's, uh, it was chilling. It was frightening. It was, it was just a crazy experience. And it's very serendipitous. Um, a couple minutes ago that you guys were listening, what I was saying whenever all that happened we were talking about your goals. We were talking about having a target to shoot for, um, having something to, to look towards, to aim towards and to shoot for. And that's when the call came in and, and just around the time that I was saying that and giving that analogy or that metaphor, um, having a target to aim at and something to shoot for that shooting was happening. And more specifically, Rex Engelbert, Michael Colazzo, um, and other brave men that walked into, walked into danger, walked toward danger, walked toward an, an active shooter at the covenant school here in Nashville. They were braving the unknown, clearing rooms, walking down the hallways, walking toward an active shooter that had already taken lives and would have undoubtedly taken more lives had they not responded so quickly. Um, it's a horrible, it's tragic. Um, but there is that one, that one silver lining of the fact that the Nashville Metro police department, as I said, Rex Engelbert, Michael Colazzo were the two that put the shooter down. Plus the others, I believe there were six that walked into ran into that school frantically clearing rooms and being true to the promise that they made, not just to their community, but to themselves that they will serve and protect and run into danger. So, um, number one, a huge, a huge show of respect for all the men and women and our first responders, our military, those that we can sit here and you can be sitting in your car right now listening to me talk on a microphone, having all of the freedoms that we have, all of the liberties that we have. And a lot of times we didn't do anything to create that for our lives. There was brave men and women that have came before us and are currently throwing themselves into the fire every single day, literally 
physically, metaphorically, to protect us, to serve us, to make sure that we get to live in the greatest country on the planet. Um, so sorry that the, um, this episode got cut short, um, in a very, very abrupt way. Um, we will do a, a full on, a full on episode, um, someday addressing that, uh, event, which is a, which will forever be a, a horrible day, not just in Nashville history, but the history of this entire country. Um, but it's a reminder to love, love and hold and hug and serve and protect your loved ones. Those that you, that you hold near and dear to your heart and do it every single day. Never let a day go by that you don't tell those that you love how much you love them, serve them more. Um, especially for me as a father, as a husband, you guys and gals out there as fathers, mothers, as husbands, as wives. So it's a very somber way to end this episode. I hope that you guys got value out of it um, before, obviously, the the interruption. And then now um, are reminded to go home today, hold those loved ones a little bit tighter. And um, there is evil lurking around this world, but there are so many more good people than there are bad we have to keep that faith that if we can take control of our own household, take control of our own selves, try to love people, try to serve people, um, goodness, kindness, love will prevail. So I hope you guys have a great day. We're going to end it right there. Um, and thank you guys so much for listening and have a wonderful day. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. God bless. I will see you at the top.